You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 13, verse 3 through 9. It says this, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength, or say dunamis, of the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all of your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up out of Egypt or the house of bondage. It shall be as a sign to you on your hand as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth for with a strong hand or say dunamis. The Lord has brought you out of Egypt. I heard the Lord say for this Sunday, the enemy is obsessed with bondage, but I am obsessed with freedom. The word, the sermon that I'm bringing to you this morning is Deuteronomy part three, power over bondage. What is bondage? Bondage is the state of being bound. The condition of being under restraint, restraint of personal liberty by compulsion or involuntary servitude, slavery or captivity. The uh, Hebrew word for bondage is dulea. It means this, that it is the power of physical corruption as against the freedom of life. It is also the power of fear as over against the confidence of Christian faith and especially the bondage of ceremonial and institutional salvation, which must be scrupulously and painfully observed or meaning the power of religion as contrasted with the freedom of the sons of God emancipated by faith in Jesus Christ. Church, We are living in a time and day that our world is flaunting perversity. Immorality at its worst, sexual immorality, not just in orgies, men with men, women with women, but changing their body parts, mutilating their bodies to try to form an altar or a different, alter a different creation other than what our heavenly father created. They are distorting his image to magnify Satan in their life, to discredit God for his wonderful work and abuse the temples of God we were meant to be. And now they're taking it further to not just desire sick and perverted distortions of God's creation, but to now come after God's most innocent creation, our children. Children aren't just sold for sex in the dark realm of human trafficking anymore. This is what I warned of years ago when I said, watch, their solution to end human trafficking will be to make it legal and approved sexuality to desire children that they were born that way. They will sexualize our children and they will make them crave sexual encounters by shows, media, social media, and education. So if it's a legalized sexuality that people were born that way, desiring relations with children and our children are over-sexualized, then they know it's game over. They have our children. And what do you do when you try to go to the police and your 10-year-old daughter says that she wants to be with a 40-year-old man or multiple and the police say that they can do nothing about it? I tell you this morning, 
Our culture is ruling through the spirit of bondage right now. And they're after our kids' worship, after their bodies, after their souls, and they won't stop until they have the next generation running into bondage, desiring bondage. That's the world's plan right now is to get the next generation, our children to desire and run into the chains of bondage. I was sitting in service in November, early December, and I heard the Lord say, those words that I opened up with, that the enemy is obsessed with bondage. An obsession of bondage is upon us, church. I began to see a flash of all these images. This would be the moment they're gonna put it on the screen of all these different images go through my mind from actresses and singers and politicians, the influential. They have made bondage look desiring, look cool to brainwash the next generation into wanting bondage. Can you imagine when the next generation no longer has to be tempted, but they're running into the chains of bondage. Do you know how much easier this makes it for the enemy when he doesn't have to come with all of his demons in hell to come after our children, but they're hungering for bondage. This is what 2 Peter 2, 2 through 22 says of this. This is a longer portion of scripture, but please listen because the word of God is alive. I believe that this is prophetic for the times that we are in. Again, 2 Peter 2, 2 through 22, it says this, many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemy. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented by his righteousness soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as the blasphemy, the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling after their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Listen to this, verse 19. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, bondage. 
For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, listen to this church, they are again entangled in them and overcome. And the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to wallow in the mire. Church, not only does this portion of scripture describe what is coming to those leading and influencing in this perversity, but it is also a warning to us as the church to not get entangled or ensnared in the temptations or the ways of the, of the world. Did you hear the warning that it would have been better of you to never have known the right way, never to have known Jesus, never to have known truth than to know it and become ensnared and turn from him to follow them. So this morning, let us pray like what Pastor Chris declared, that this morning, eyes, spiritual eyes would be opened, that our spiritual ears would be opened to hear the word of the Lord and to yield to the word of the Lord. So this morning, Father, we cry out to you as your bride and we declare in an hour when your word says, discern the times that you are in, I declare that the Holy Spirit would be so present in the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Let your people hear this morning with spiritual ears. Let them see with spiritual eyes. I even declare ahead of time that hearts would be soft, open to, oh God, to be able to receive the word of the Lord this morning so that we would be set free and free indeed. To not be set free and caught back into bondage but oh God, I pray this morning for an anointing that would truly set your people free to set others free, God. So Lord, would you just put your hands over your heart, over your mind. We submit our thoughts, our minds, oh God. We submit our hearts, our ways, our beliefs to you, King Jesus. And Father, we declare, would you have your way? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven this morning. We love you so much, Yahweh. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So let us go back to our opening portion of scripture in Exodus 13. Verse three says, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt out of the house of bondage. For by the strength of the hand of the Lord, or what deutimous power, he brought you out of this place. Moses is pointing out to the people right here, one of our connect with God ways, that is remembrance. He is saying, remember what I did for you when I delivered you out of the house of bondage. Now it's so important that we encounter God through remembrance. And here's why. It's not for us to just remember what God once did. It's not to just testify of what God once did. But there's a lying enemy that comes to you when temptation comes your way to try to tell you that God really never set you free. God must not have answered that prayer. God must not have really healed your body, healed your mind, delivered you of those suicidal thoughts. In fact, what really, when we begin to remember and encounter God through remembrance, instead of believing those lies, what the Holy Spirit begins to minister to us and say when that temptation comes is what he once did when he delivered me from bondage on this day, when he delivered me from temptation and sin on this day, means he will deliver me again. He will deliver me from this temptation, from this sickness, from these lies again 
And he knew when he was delivering them out of Egypt, there was gonna be more moments that he had to deliver them again. So he was saying, remember this moment through the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that not only am I gonna deliver you today out of the Egyptians' hands, but there's gonna be time and time again when bondage comes calling your name, when bondage comes after your children, when bondage comes after your mind. And remember, I'm the one that set you free then, and I'm the one that's gonna set you free again. So this Feast of Unleavened Bread, when you begin to unpack it, it's really this beautiful thing that not only was it about just not eating leavened bread, but they did this really special thing every year when it came to that time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread the night before when it got dark. It says that they would get a candle to represent light. They would purposely wait for when it got dark. Because why? First, let me tell you this, what leaven represented was sin and wickedness. That's what it represented. So that night before the Feast of Unleavened Bread would come, they would get this candle and they would go through every corner of their house, not just the kitchen, not just the pantry, to remove that leaven. They would go to every corner that just in case the day prior when they were eating that leavened bread that they set a piece down on a counter, that there was a crumb that dropped. They would go to every corner shining that light in darkness up and down those stairs out onto the outside of the quarters of their house. They would go into their businesses. They would go into the schools. They would shine that light and look for every ounce of leaven to get it out. See, when leaven represents sin and wickedness in the Bible, see, it just took a little bit of that leaven in that bread. This is why that, that the Lord was so adamant when he said, remove every ounce of it. Because here's the thing about leaven. You just need a little bit to get into that loaf and all of the sudden that little bit of leaven knows how to completely fill that entire loaf and a little bit of leaven causes that bread to puff up or what? Pride to enter. And so the Lord said, when you are removing leaven, what you are really declaring is I am removing Every sinful thought, every temptation, every ounce of pride, every ounce of doubt, every ounce of jealousy, every ounce of offense that is in my mind, unforgiveness. I am searching myself high and low because all it takes is a little bit of leaven, a little bit of that offense to completely consume and fill you with that wickedness, with that bondage. This was the Israelites. They were set free. They were physically set free from slavery. But we know in the word of God, when they were set free from the land or the home of bondage, that there was still bondage on them because even though they're following one of the most humble, greatest leaders that has ever hit this world of all time, Moses, they questioned God, they doubted God because they were still filled with bondage in their minds. This is why the Lord said, remove all of it because pride is the open door for bondage, but humility is the open door for freedom. First Corinthians five, six through eight says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that even a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. And as you really are unleavened, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, 
the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity or with purity and truth. So who does the word of God call the truth and the bread of life? Talk back to me. Jesus, John 6, through 40 says this, I am the bread of life. Go with me to verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away. Other boats came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into their boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. This is why he told them, you must not eat unleavened bread or you must not eat leavened bread for seven days because you cannot have me the bread of life and your leaven and your sin at the same time. I need you to take an amount of time. I need you to fast. I need you to set yourself apart so that you know what it is like to just feast on the bread of life. You know what it is like to just feast on the truth. You know what it is like to just feast in freedom. Oh, when that seven days goes by, which seven is the number of perfection or completion and also exoneration and healing. What does exoneration mean? To relieve of a responsibility, obligation or hardship to completely clear from accusation or blame. Come on, he had them for seven days saying, I am going to complete a supernatural work in you where not only is the forgiveness of sin that comes, but I'm gonna break these patterns. I'm gonna break these old ways. I am gonna set you free from that bondage, from that shame. was saying as you do this, as you remember me and what I did for you, delivering you out of bondage, I will continue to set you free. I will continue to clear you out of accusation. Not a one-time thing. I will continue to set you free from bondage. See, the Lord is obsessed with setting his people free. Setting you free and walking with you in freedom, even when it feels like he isn't. Go with me into Exodus 13, verse 17. It's titled this, The Wilderness Way. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, or although it was closer, or although it seemed like the easier route, seemed like. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt or the house of bondage. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. 
See, God knew the route of freedom for his people and it wasn't the short way. It wasn't what seemed best to men or us, but it was the best route and it was the easiest route. See, so many of us would view this as God choosing the hard route, but he chose the easiest route because he knew the plans that he had for what he was going to do to rescue them from bondage or the Egyptians again. He knew what his plans were for that Red Sea. God had always planned on delivering them. He had easy plans ahead. I believe that this is prophetic for some of you right now. That you have thought God has taken you on a longer and harder route. God, why did this have to happen? I asked you to answer this way and this is what I get. Look at what's happening in my marriage. Look what's happening in my business. Look at what's happening in my family. Lord, this does not seem like the easy route that was declared in mercy culture at conference. I want the easy route, God. Because <laughs> here we stand, we stand in this place of tension where the previous enemies of our life, the previous temptations, the previous bondage, we can feel the enemy coming at us with attacks. And then can you imagine the Israelites looking at this giant body of water and we say, how God, how did you get me to this place? How did you take me? We begin to question God on our freedom route. When God knew all along, you think a body of water is gonna stop me? You think a Red Sea? You think the Egyptians that I already delivered you from is gonna stop me? You think their iron chariots are gonna stop me? Is anybody getting ministered to this morning? I don't know what it is that's on one side of you and what's on the other side, but it doesn't stop God. No matter how big, no matter how loud, no matter how obnoxious, no matter how evil, no matter how intimidating, it may be. Oh, it doesn't stop our God. It's the year of Deuteronomy's power. The Lord knew. Oh, watch. This is going to turn the Israelites even closer to me because they haven't even begun to experience my Deuteronomy's power. Oh, wait till they see this Red Sea explode walls and they walk on dry ground. Just watch when I wipe out their enemies. Don't you know that his storyline is so much greater, so much cooler, so much more awesome than what's your storyline of easy you think that it may be. Look, the reason why right now you feel closed in on, the reason right, why right now you feel doubt, the reason why you feel temptation greater and louder right now is because you are on the brink. And I know you may have heard it before, but let me prophesy to dry bones right now. Let me just prophesy over you because the Lord said that deliverance would be easy today. Let me prophesy to your situation today that deliverance is easy for him and you are on the brink of breakthrough you are on the brink of miracles your family your marriage your children you are on the brink of one of the greatest breakthroughs you have ever seen oh I prophesy I prophesy oh I say it not because it's an emotionalism I say it not to make a sermon great. I say it because I interceded for you this week and the Lord said that your deliverance would be easy. Oh, parting the Red Sea was easy for God. Wiping the Egyptians out, those coming with bondage, it was easy for him. See, the Bible says that God knew them so well that when they saw war, they would run. I ask you this morning, is your faithfulness to the Lord determined on what victories you planned or he planned? Is your faithfulness to the Lord based upon the way you want it written or the way he's writing it, writing your story? 
writing our nation's story. When news and social media seems like it's getting crazier, greater, saying that, I don't even wanna repeat demonic words, but trying to speak over the climate of America as if it's the same climate for his sons and daughters. You receive the curse words of our nation, the curse words of the news, the curse words of evil politicians, so it will be. But you receive the bread of life, the word of life, the living word of God. You feast on that and that prophecy, so it will be in your life. Could it be that maybe he's just letting us wait a little longer till those Egyptians get a little bit closer, till the storm on that Red Sea gets a little bit more wild, till America on one side gets a little bit crazier and the war begins to make a sound even greater and more rioting happened in the streets. Oh, so that for such a time as this, a bold bride would rise up in faithfulness, declaring the word of the Lord, not trembling according to what the world says. Oh, but with an excitement that he's going to use us as an end time army, full of victory, full of faith, full of dunamis power. Oh, that's when we see signs, miracles, and wonders. He's waiting for a faithful bride. I was on my way here driving this morning and where my house was, it was blue skies. And I get onto the freeway and all of a sudden as I'm driving on the freeway, I see these dark skies, these dark clouds, and I don't know why. I guess it's how God made me, the deliverance and the freedom he's given me. The moment I saw the dark clouds, I began to laugh out loud in my car and I got so excited, I was driving into darkness. You wanna know why my spirit began to become alive? Because I believe, I believe with every fiber of my being, every thought in my mind, every part of who I am, that his light and his power is greater than darkness. So when I get to drive into darkness, it was on the gas pedal, God send me in. Do I have a body that says, God send me in. Come on, send us in, God. Send us in with your authority and your power, laughing at the darkness that's ahead. See, your trust in God is being tested. Church, do you run when darkness comes? Do you run when the battle gets hard? Do you run when fear tries to come at you? Do you trust him with his route, his plans? for your life when it doesn't make sense in the natural. See, when it feels like your bondage is coming back for you, do you submit to it? Do you run into it? Do you curse the freedom course that God has put in front of you, church? Do you curse it with your mouth? Or when the temptations of the enemy come, to intimidate and speak lies, do you laugh in the face of the enemy? I'm teaching you warfare right now because every single one of you, every single day of the week, hear the lies of the enemy. And your response is everything. You have a choice in that moment, two things. You either submit and you come under those lies of the enemy or you laugh in the face of the enemy. You begin to stir yourself up. You begin to edify yourself. You begin to speak in tongues. You, you begin to call on Yahweh and you begin to declare his name over and over in that car, over and over in your house, over and over in your bedroom. Do you trust him? Exodus 14, 10 through 12. This is the Red Sea crossing. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? 
Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians or what were they saying? Stay in our house of bondage. Why did you not just let us stay in our place, in our house, in the spirit of bondage? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians or to stay in bondage than, than it would for us to die in the wilderness. Look, I don't want shame or condemnation this morning because the truth and reality is many of you have declared these words. Would it not have been better for me to live that lifestyle than to feel how I feel now? At least maybe I would have had joy in that lifestyle. At least I wouldn't have all this persecution coming after me, trying to walk out this freedom walk that doesn't feel like you're even here, Lord. And we begin to curse the freedom God paid for and the freedom course he's taking us on. Oh, crying out for our previous bondage with no fear of the Lord. Do you remember the original scripture I opened up with? For it would have been better for you to never have known him than to turn away from him. Church, can I tell you today, begin to ask the Lord for self-control over your mouth. For out of the mouth is the issue of life and death. You will either speak life over yourself or you will speak bondage and death over yourself. Stop partnering with the temptations and the lies of the enemy. So the moment a battle came, the moment their past familiar fears and memories faced them, they began to cry out for their bondage. Notice this, that they distrust, distrusted the words through their leader that God had given them. And they began to even curse their spiritual leader, blame him, become offended at him because they didn't understand the process of freedom that God had given them. Galatians 5, 7 through 9 and 13 says this, you were running so well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven, the whole lump. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve each other. I ask you this morning, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Deny that leaven from the world. Deny that leaven of temptation because it is coming for you. For it knows if it can just get that little bit in. Oh, it has you back into bondage. Galatians 2, 4 says, and this occurred because of false brethren. And this occurred because of false believers secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us back into bondage. I declare that you would hear this morning with spiritual ears, that your spiritual eyes would open and begin to discern. Who are those false believers that have been sent into your life to sow that little leaven in? To pull you back into bondage. See, there are demonic spirits that are sent on assignment to plant leaven in you and around you. In front of your eyes, leaven in your ears to get into your spirit and knows it needs just that little bit. And then what? comes in through relationships, friendships, YouTube pastors, IG posts, however it can get into those little crevices, into your thoughts, little crevices, into your heart, those open doors of unforgiveness, those open doors of offense that that spiritual leader said, because he just said it too hard. All these little open doors and crevices that leaven knows just where to get in, and it comes through deception. See, this is important to understand because deception at its finest means you don't see it coming. You don't know it's there. 
You don't see it. John 8, 31 through 38, we love the title of it, that the truth will set you free. But let us really read what Jesus is saying in this chapter. Verse 31 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, just pause there. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. In his word, not that translation of the Bible that was written by another man of what his opinion of the word of God is. Not that mere Bible. Not, the, not those other translate, not those other, not those new age teachers that want to tell you what their translation of the word of God is so that we feel better about ourselves in our sin. Grace never caused us to keep on sinning. Grace is the empowerment to overcome sin so that we would look like him. It says, if you abide in my word, the infallible word of God, the truth, what we set our lives, what we build our lives upon, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen to how they answered him. But we are the offspring of Abraham and have you ever, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Do you hear the deception in their question to Jesus? Jesus, the truth, is standing in front of them, trying to tell them, this is how you become free. And in their deception, in their religion, in their offense to Jesus, they couldn't grasp a hold. Who is this foolish man talking to us of the bloodline of Abraham that we are slaves and need to be set free? They were arrogant in their false sense of freedom, not seeing the bondage that Jesus had been set to set them free. How much more susceptible do you think that we are without Jesus in the flesh standing in front of us, warning us of our bondage, warning us of our deception and what we cannot see. How many of you have heard, we're gonna go in deep for a sec. I love this church. How many of you have heard and been told the hard things, but thought those hard things were for someone else? Man, I just wish so-and-so was here today to hear that message. That was really for them. I mean, me, I've been free a long time. That person has a lot of bondage. I wish they were here today. I mean, I was married a virgin and been with one person my whole life. Surely I'm not the one in bondage. But I've served the house of God since I was little. Surely I'm not in bondage. I gave to my, my, my life to the Lord. I mean, I began to tithe since I was a child. I've been coming to church my entire, I'm not in bondage. I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, I'm, an event, I'm a spiritual leader, I'm the head of my household. How can I be deceived? Oh, but let me tell you, you are afraid to declare who your father is in public. You are afraid what truth, how to declare truth on social media because you're gonna lose followers if you put the truth just how it's said in the word of God. You are offended by the hard things that must be said so that the sheep aren't sent to the slaughter. You are offended with the entire and whole word of God. Can we just keep it on the, on the encouragement stuff? Why'd you have to open with that intense of a scripture? You are offended with the church standing for heaven's justice and taking that governmental mountain. Why can't they just stay in ministerial stuff? Why do they gotta march in the streets of death? Why do they gotta talk about abortion? Why do they gotta talk about homosexuality? Why do they gotta talk about all these things? Why do they gotta bring apologize? And the heart all of a sudden begins to tell on who your father is which we find in John 8, 34 through 44, Jesus answers them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. See, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. And I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, he said, yet you seek to kill me because my word because my truth, my living word finds no 
place in you? They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. For your father is the devil and you will do as your father desires. Church, can his words bear witness within you? Can the hard things, can the full word of God bear witness within you? And can it bear witness through you? You wanna know how Jesus answered those blind, fake followers? You are not mine, I am not your father. You cannot bear to hear my words because you bear the words of your father, the devil. You cannot see what I see on you your bondage, you cannot bear his words. Church, we cannot bear his words if we are already bound by the enemy. If we are slaves to sin, I'm gonna go in a little bit deeper into that sound of offense, into that sound of leaven. But Lord, it was just that preacher's tone. I don't like that he said it like that. If you would have said it to me, then I could have received it but I can't receive from your leaders you sent into my life to rebuke me and challenge me. Lord, you're my father, you challenge me, you rebuke me. The sound of rebellion, the sound of pride. But it was the way he said it on social media. Why'd he have to say it like that? I didn't feel it was loving. Can you imagine church getting into his presence one day, face to face with God, trying to justify your offense, trying to justify your fear of man, your allegiance to culture, your followers on social media, your influence on this earth, your family values and beliefs to the one that said, leave it all and follow me. Leave it all behind you. Everything that you own, everything in your bank account, everybody that you know, every gift, everything that you think that you've built up in your own, leave it all and follow me. Can I also remind you what else he said? A moment when his mother and his brothers came calling out and they said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are out here. And Jesus' response, don't hear this preached much in church because it's hard for all of us to receive and digest and understand. He said, who is my father and brothers? My fathers and my brothers are the ones that are with me doing the will of my father. Can I tell you today that some of you have been in bondage by the cultures of your family, by the words of your parents, and all of a sudden this collision comes, the culture of your family and the word of God, what is being said in that hour. And all of a sudden this offense rises because surely my allegiance has to be to my culture, to my race, to my family, to my parents, to this individual, to this partnership. And all of a sudden we are faced, who will you follow? Who will you listen? Will you leave those things behind? And will I be your Abba? Will I be your truth teller? Will I be the one that calls you into what I have said you will say? What I say you will do? Or are you going to keep on this path, doing it your own way, trying to claim that you eat on the bread of life but wanna keep your leaven too? Do we really think we're gonna enter into his presence and justify our rebellion against spiritual authority when Jesus waged war against all those that rebelled against him and his disciples? Those religious leaders that knew their word in and out, the ones that claimed to be believers but rebelled. He waged war against, you think you will justify your position 
of pastor's words being offensive when Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, you're a dog and I'm not called to you. When he called the Pharisees vipers, when he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. When he called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs with death inside. Oh, do you know how many messages of his were hard to receive? We hear over and over in the word of God, those that were trying to follow him that said, how can we receive this message? I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost right now. He knew what he was saying was on purpose to provoke their flesh. He said, I came to awaken their spirit men and women. I came to persecute that flesh because he was offering up his flesh. Can I give you practical advice that every single time your flesh is offended, Instead of thinking of what your solution to quiet your flesh should be in confronting those spiritual leaders, in confronting people that are trying to challenge you, that love you, in people that are trying to keep you accountable. Every time that flesh begins to be offended, laugh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that right now my flesh is being persecuted. My flesh needs this in this fast. Every single time, all of a sudden, you begin to operate in that flesh and you see what's really in you. You go and you humble yourself. You apologize. You go low and you allow your flesh to be persecuted. I believe the church is in an hour when deception is giving its greatest effort. And if we are not aware of this, we don't see the leaven coming. We don't see the bondage that's right in front of us that's coming to corrupt us, that's coming to take us out, that's coming to make you bitter. See, that bondage keeps you from freedom, from joy, from being a part of that end time army that's gonna stand up against the enemy. It's coming so that you're not a part of preparing an end time harvest for our king that's returning. Say, so you can't do those things from a place of bondage. He's coming to take you out from the greatest days that are ahead. That I believe if we have generations and generations, we're living in a day that today will be talked about. Did you live during that revival? Were you there when you saw this take place in America and in the nations? Oh, you're living in times that will be talked about if there are generations to come. And he is coming to deceive you, to take you out from being a part of it. Bondage partners with deception. It'll come to you through your own deception or it'll come to you through others' deception. Many in bondage don't even know that they're enslaved. An example, we work with victims out of human trafficking. Many of you might have heard this before, but many when they are rescued and you tell them that they have been enslaved, that they have been in bondage, that they have been trafficked, they look at you like, what are you talking about? What do you mean I have been trafficked? They are completely unaware of the bondage that they are in, though that great. Can you imagine the bondage that some of, many of us are in today without realizing the bondage is there? Why? Because bondage is blinding. It blinds, or, or uh, deception is blinding. It blinds your sight for what is true. It numbs your soul to discern what is right, what is good and holy. It deafens your spiritual hearing so you cannot hear God's voice, words, and truth. It means your spiritual senses are literally turned off and you are partnered without, with the father of lies without knowing it. This is how deception works to keep you in bondage. But not only that, we are now living in a world because the church has been sleeping in its bondage uh, that it is being shoved in front of our marriages, our children, our schools, media, that bondage is desirable. That bondage is art. That bondage is beautiful. That bondage is freedom. 
and they're serving us bondage as desirable. So what happens when our children then begin to start desiring bondage? And what do we do when our children begin to crave bondage yet we are still stuck in our own? What do we do? I have good news for you. Worship team, will you come up? The beautiful thing about not knowing how to be set free from your bondage means that you can't do it in your own strength. And many of you have been tired, tired of fighting, tired in your fast as your flesh is being persecuted, you feel like you're failing, but it's in that place when you're weak, oh, that he is strong, that he is mighty, that El Shaddai begins to show up in your life, in your weakness, in your failures, when God begins to deliver you because it's his strength, it is not your strength. Many years ago, this was me as a young girl, a drug addict, an alcoholic, living a sexual immoral life that surely was not crying out for my own salvation, surely was not crying out for my own freedom and deliverance. But Yahweh came and met me. He came and encountered me in the middle of trying to do drugs, in the middle of my sin. He came after me, oh, and he made it easy in a moment with Jesus, in a moment with his Judas power, all of a sudden the chains of bondage, of addiction, of sexual immorality, of my mindsets, everything who I once was just began to fall off of me. It reminds me of Acts 16, 25 through 26, when Paul sets a slave girl free, a girl stuck in her bondage. And what was the world's response? See, church, don't be afraid of the world's response. He sets you free to set others free. Paul was set free where it says that the shackles that were on his eyes began to break off. So how could Paul not be filled with the power and presence of God to want to go set others free? So he sets this slave girl free. And what is the world's response? They put him in prison. They put him in a place of bondage. But I heard the Lord say this this morning or this week, church. Oh, you can't bind up what's already bound in me. <laughs> the word of God says in Acts 16 that Paul and Silas just began to pray and worship in that prison cell and everybody else begins to hear the sound of Yahweh. They begin to hear that worship. They begin to feel the presence of God. And all of a sudden it says that that prison began to be shaken. And all of a sudden what that bondage, the doors of bondage were flung open. The chains were broken and not only only were Paul and Silas free, but all of the prisoners set free, because this is our Father's heart to set every one of us free from our bondage. If we go back to Exodus 14, 30 through 31, it says that the end of the story is this. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, or what? Out of the house of bondage. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work, or what? The dunamis power, which the Lord had done in Egypt, so that the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant. Moses, I declare over you today, church, today is the day that you shall be set free. Set free indeed. I declare over you today, lift your hands in this place. Stand to your feet in this place. I declare over you today. Today, you will be freed. Today, you will be set free from those old mindsets. You will be set free from the sound of that suicide. You will be set free from that sexual immorality. 
from that hunger for pornography. You will be set free today from pride, says the Lord. You will be set free. I even believe that there is a bondage of beauty in this hour where we begin to exalt ourselves, the beauty of ourselves, the outside trying to pretend that it's leading others to Jesus when it's really leading to ourselves. Today, Lord, I declare every sound, every form, every chain of bondage, your people shall be set free. I declare that today is deliverance day. Oh, I declare today his deliverance day. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 